The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Uh, You kiss like my dad. Damn, that's scary. Yeah, so, like, I think that if you were one of those kids that had to listen to your parents have, like, real crazy sex, like, all the slapping and, like, the squirting and the screaming and the tugging and the fucking... Oh, one of those lucky kids. I feel like you kind of become the type of person to have vanilla sex. Yeah. Years ago, I was hooking up with this girl, Mm -hmm. and, like, all she wanted to do was missionary. I remember, like, trying to turn her around, and she's like, what, what, no, no, what are you doing? And, like, back on her back and just kind of, like lifted a leg up just a little bit for me oh, so you uh, met her at the catholic school no no i met her at a very dirty place and i'm like okay this is gonna be a dirty girl and it turns out she wasn't and you it's met her all in because LA behind a 7-eleven uh behind an arby's oh, uh, okay dude you go behind an arby's you will get your dick sucked in no time you know arby's bought buffalo wild wings for like a billion dollars you know what those roast beef sandwiches are actually made out of vaginas <laughs> yeah I mean, I hey, man, we've all seen a roast beef sandwich. But, like, she told me a story about her parents having animalistic sex, and it kind of caused her to be vanilla. Vanilla like that horsey sauce? Dude, I would pour horsey sauce in an asshole and eat it out. That sounds so fucking tasty. So she's like, horsey sauce in my asshole? What are you, my dad? Uh, you kiss like my dad. Hey, everyone. We're Damn, Damn That's Scary. That's scary. My and... name is Micah. I oh. am joined alongside a very handsome man. A man who goes a little overboard with his puns. Correct. A man who, for some reason, will not escape New York. Okay. A man who has little trouble but a big cock. I am talking about the self-proclaimed Kurt Russell of podcasting, Greg. And if rhyme was a drug, I would sell it by the gram. Yeah. That's pretty How good you been, dude? Do you want me to huh? introduce you in a, in a similar fashion? No, I, I mean, sure. Okay, fine. Yes. <laughs> All right. Here's Micah. He's, uh, he's good at podcasting. Big How you doing, dick buddy? And a, and a tight fucking beanie. Well, I got to keep my toque on because I'm out in the studio, which is apparently the garage, and it's cold out here. You say toque? Yeah, I said toque. Where, where do you live? Alaska? No, I'm just being, uh, uh, you know, we got listeners up from the Great North. The, the, the great, great Northern? The Great White Beyond? Yeah, that's called Canadadur. Yeah, it's seal country. That singer <laughs> with the potchy face that was married to that chick? Yeah, he got a, he got a bad case of frostbite. Yeah. From Northern Canada. You know that song, Kiss by a Rose, is actually about cocaine? Is it? No, I don't know. I'm making shit up. I mean, I, I believe it. Because every time I hear it, it gets me really fucking high every time i hear that song i grind my teeth and i run through walls no singing no singing oh no singing Fuck. okay greg you became Here. my power my pleasure my, pleasure. my, my pain hey that's enough of that man Sorry. hey it's a new month. You know what that means? The new fucking year. I hope everyone had a happy new year. I hope everybody watched 
New Year's Evil. Mm -hmm. If you didn't watch New Year's Evil, maybe you went back to our old episode from a year ago and listened to our episode covering New Year's Evil, which has our old co-host, Will, and uh, my ex-wife. So if I was I not assume... present, so... Uh, no, you were not. I can't exactly recommend that you listen to that one, sorry. Worst episode ever. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but... Yeah, I tried... sucks listen... without me. That's a that's a. Tried listening opinion. to it. It brought up a bunch of suppressed memories, and I cried a lot. I saw that. Yeah. I heard that. You left me some long messages. Yeah, long, I, I, I... sexy messages. I actually had to listen to country music after that. Yeah. You compared me to a kiss from a rose momentarily. I had to. Yeah. I ha- you are a kiss from a rose. But more importantly, it's not just a new year. It's a new mm-hmm. month. So we have a new theme here at Damn That's Scary. And what's and that? that? We're going to fucking space. space. Yeah, that's it. We couldn't really think of an actual theme for, like, a name, so we're just going to scream space in your ear holes. We don't have any clever puns for you this month, so we just added a bunch of letters. Yeah. Just to say a bunch of the same letter, that letter's A. Pat Sajak, I would like to buy a vowel. Pat Sajak! Say my name, Pat Sajak! It's 2022. It's a great year so far. What do we got? We're a week in. We're seven days in. This is our first episode. Easily our best episode of the year. Stay tuned. It only gets better from here. I, I hope. Dude, and more importantly, it's my Russian Orthodox Christmas. So Merry Christmas to me and my Russian Orthodox friends and family. Yeah. But even more so importantly than that, it's Nicolas Cage's birthday. Beautiful. Dude, Nicolas Cage, my man, he is going to be playing Dracula in the new Renfield movie. I really can't wait for that. Dude, we talked about this, and uh, before we talk about some other shit, I just want to get this out right away. Nicolas Cage, in an interview with Variety, said, I want to pop in a u- unique way from how we've seen Dracula played. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking to really focus on the movement of the character. Okay. I, like I, the saw, sound of I saw Malignant, and I thought... What she did with those moves, and even Ringu and Sudoku, I wanna, I wanna look at what we can explore with the movement and the voice. I don't know why I'm doing a Christopher Walken. I was just gonna ask you, like, is that is that uh, Nick Cage or what are you doing? <laughs> what makes it super fun is that it's a comedy. Also, I'm pretty sure you said Sudoku in there someplace. Sudoku, that the bad lady from Ringu. Oh, yeah, Sudoku. It, 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 yeah, it was, it's the American, uh, American is Samira, right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds correct. But, uh, dude, I am, uh, I'm so pumped, uh, after reading that about Nicolas Cage that Nicolas Cage is gonna be over the top as Dracula, as we all fucking expected and we knew this, right? I really like the sound of, uh, amping up the movement. Thanks, baby! That's very promising. I just, I'm picturing Nicolas Cage trying to do like a Jack Sparrow Dracula type thing. Yes, he's going to be incredible. May his fangs touch the floor and his cape touch the sky. <laughs> just like Spawn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hope, I hope this movie has a lot in common with Spawn, including the presence of John Leguizamo. <laughs> oh, I hope he's Renfield. Please, please Film gods, make John Leguizamo Renfield in this movie. Please, we need John Leguizamo back in our lives. 
The last time I actually remember John Leguizamo being in anything was Land of the Dead with Dennis Hopper. And he actually wasn't that bad in that. Dude, he was awesome in that! Him and Dennis Hopper were like the best parts of that movie. That's all I remember. That and the, the lead zombie teaching everyone how to break down walls and swim and shit. I don't know. Pump gas into a limousine. <laughs> into the window of a limousine. I remember that part. And I know it's, um, I know this isn't technically correct, but for some reason I always think of the lead being played by Greg Kinnear in that. Greg Kinnear? <laughs> oh, he looks just like Greg Kinnear. Doesn't he? It's not him, but. No, it's like a, a mix be. of Greg Kinnear and Dax Shepard. Yeah. It's as good as it yeah. gets part two, the zombie. Which zombie in a sequel. way, if you take Greg Kinnear and Dax Shepard, you get me. That's not a great thing. I'm not sure I would. Uh... I mean, hey, dude, it's 2022. Okay. So before I get into the rest of the news, I, I stumbled upon this movie and I kind of forced Greg to watch it as well. You did. Yes. Yes. Although uh, I'm kind of glad you did, I have to say. I'll, I'll let you roll with it. Go ahead. All right, man. On Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with my dad. And we're skimming through uh, movies, and he's going through all these B-list movies, which you know me, man. I love that shit. Oh, yeah. And we come across one that's starring Michael Bean, and I yell out, oh, shit, dad, that's Michael Bean. And he goes, who? And I'm like, that's that's Kyle Reese from Terminator, and that's uh, that's Homeboy from Aliens. Bean. And he's like, he's Bean. like, Bean. Bean. He's like, he's a Bean. <laughs> Bean. Bean. And my dad's like, oh man, I love the Terminator. I love Aliens. And he just hit play without like questioning anything. Your dad is is like a mix of John Travolta and Best <laughs> Play, like the, the way you do an impersonation of him. <laughs> You're not wrong, because he quotes both. I love that. Like, on the Daily, literally earlier today, he was quoting Andrew Dice Clay. Oh! Beautiful. What did he And say? I'm like, I am your son. This is it. Like, this is where I get it from. Yeah. It's also the reason why you enjoy doggy-style sex. That's, that's the only sex, dude. Doggy-style? What are you, my dad? <laughs> Quoting Andrew Dice Clay? What are you, my dad? <laughs> Stop trying to turn me around. Oh! <laughs> so we watched this movie, and this is 2001. Greg, what's the name of the movie? Well, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but I... I know, with, that's uh, why I'm asking you! <laughs> Megiddo? Megiddo. Megiddo. It's, it, Megiddo. Sounds like a, it sounds like a Godzilla monster. It does. But and I believe, that's... Um, if I'm not mistaken, which I very well may be, I believe that it refers to, like, biblical Armageddon from the Torah. Okay, so my dad and I, we basically watched a Christian horror movie. Yes. The Omega involves... Code Part 2. Yeah, I I didn't even know this was a sequel. I, I suspected it was uh, when I saw the two at the end of the title. <laughs> so what I did was I looked it up real quick and I saw that there is a number one starring the beautiful and illustrious Casper Van Dien. So handsome. And the uh, thick, bald, and masculine uh, Michael Ironside. I, I 
when we all I know look up to Michael Ironside. I hope I'm Michael Ironside when I'm old. Absolutely. Yes, just so man's game. So I I haven't seen the first one. I hear it's kind of a big old piece of shit, but I've also but been told one. that the second one, based on the reviews that I I checked out, you don't need to see the first one because the second one kind of recaps everything and uh, just tells you everything you need to know because it is both a prequel and a sequel. Yes. Yeah, you get the you get the beginning and the end yeah. times, which is uh, it's it's an experience. I'll put it that way. So the movie, uh, the movie follows two brothers in the seventies. There are two, they're two brothers. They're very, very rich. The father owns a bunch of, uh, he's like one of those, he's like, uh, uh, Ted, oh, I almost said Ted Cruz. Uh, who owns TBS and TNT and shit? Turner, Ted Turner. Oh, Ted he's Cruz, like a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like a Ted Turner ty- tycoon guy who owns a bunch of networks mm-hmm. and, uh, the older brother wants to kill the little brother and he lights him on fire. And then after that, it jumps 10 years into the future where, uh, the older brother that tried to kill the little brother is at a, a military school in Italy, in Italy, right? Yeah. And it's a, of course, you know, it's a different actor. And then it jumps again, what, 25 fucking years or some shit like that. There's a lot of time jumps. Yeah. A lot of time jumps that make no sense. It's a bit of a like a modern day like retelling of the Cain and Abel story. I think is what they were going it's for. It's literally Cain and Abel. Yeah. I uh, so Cain is played by the actor who was Basil Basil from the Austin Powers movies. Yes, Basil who, Bakerfield, who literally acts his dick off in this. Oh yeah, he goes all out, over the top. Like this, this was Oscar worthy. And then the other brother, the younger brother, is played by Michael Bean, who eventually becomes president of the United States of America. Well, now the he's, un- uh, he's first vice president to Arlie Ermey. Arlie Ermey, if you don't know yeah. who that is, Greg, tell him who it is, baby. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. <laughs> What's your name, scumbag? <laughs> There's what? Who the fuck said that? Oh, well, fuck. I, I, I'm... How tall are you, private? Five, five, eight. I didn't know they stacked shit that high. <laughs> I think you meant cheating. I'm really not five, eight. I'm five, ten. I was just playing along here. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> Do you suck dicks? Steers and queers. You at best unfuck yourself or I will unscrew your head and shit down your neck. Where are you from, Texas? Holy dog shit. Texas only steers and queers come from Texas. You ain't got no horns, boy. I'm asking the fucking questions here private do you understand i'll be watching you yeah so he's the president in this movie yeah which is amazing he should be the president in all movies and real life yeah but he's dead mm-hmm. uh but he was the president in texas chainsaw massacre which is pretty cool yeah uh, he was the president in full metal jacket you suck <laughs> he was the president in you me and dupree no saving <laughs> saving sarah yeah. marshall <laughs> saving <laughs> sarah marshall fuck <laughs> he was the president in saving silverman <laughs> saving silver <laughs> who cares all right so he gets assassinated by basil by shaking his hand he uses the guy machines f- to stop his heart yeah it, it kind of did but it came from his hand so uh basil from austin powers is literally like just fucking lucifer i can i can recap real quick because i don't think we've made any sense i uh, i'm so not far. making any sense about this movie the omega code is basically uh, if anyone's ever seen Pi by Darren Aronofsky, the, the Omega Code is basically, it's like a mathematical equation hidden in the Torah that once discovered, you can basically predict the past, the future, 
you basically have like an all-seeing, all-knowing like awareness of the world and all things that are happening. So Basil basically discovers this, calculates it, and uses it to his advantage to become a cult of personality and eventually a dictator bent on conquering the planet. His brother yeah. is Michael Bean, who is now the vice president and eventually the president once Arlie Ermey collapses under his own immense power like a dying star and <laughs> wow. implodes. No shit. And so this is, this is where we are now. We have this, uh, this stalemate standoff between Bean and Basil. All right, take it away, Mike. Yeah, and it is literally a train wreck of a movie. Yeah, it doesn't sound... But, it's not anywhere near as awesome as I just made it sound. But I can't... I, I kept saying, Dad, we have to turn this off and watch something else. Like, we have to watch Galaxy of Terror or something. And then but he was like, I was... Galaxy of Terror? What are you, my dad? It got to a point where I was so invested you know, in, this, I, in this train wreck. I get it, because you, you told me to watch this, and yeah. for the first half hour, 45 minutes, I was struggling, man. I was, yeah, I, it's I, a I struggle. I was texting you during it. It's totally it, a struggle. Like, this sucks. This is the worst movie I've ever seen, but then it grips you. At a certain point, it, it just grabs you, and you yes. can't look away. And yes. I, I don't, I mean, I'm going to spoil some things here, because... Go ahead, go ahead. There is a point where the shit kind of hits the fan, Basil has, uh, you know, the other shoe has dropped and everybody understands that he is now an evil overlord. Yeah. And he's about to bring upon the apocalypse. The problem is he is being resisted by certain nations throughout the world that he needs to kind of bring into the fold. China them, and America. Yeah, it's, it's China and I think Latin America, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. And since the Chinese are, you know, they're not exactly complying with his wishes, he decides to vomit a tornado of bees in their direction <laughs> Just like the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> this immense cloud of bees that comes out of his mouth flies across the Pacific Ocean to the Great Wall of China and starts stinging Chinese people in an effort to make them bow to his will. <laughs> and it could not be any more ridiculous. This sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm not. It literally shows a shot of people amassed on the Great Wall of China yes, being yes. swarmed by bees because... How else would you depict Chinese people, right? Of course, they all just hang out on the Great Wall at all times. That's all they do. They just hang out on the Great Wall. They eat a bunch of raw fish, and they, they just do math. And I think it's right about now I should probably mention that this film is published by uh, TBN, which is of yes. course, the Trinity Broadcast Network, <laughs> which is basically, it makes that the Christian rock version of End of Days is how I describe it. Dude, I... I... I, so Greg and I, for a New Year's resolution, we're going to be a little more Christian. We found Jesus. Yeah. And uh, we're going to bring you, Damn That Scary is going to be now Dang That Scary, and we're going to be the home of Christian horror. Darn, that's scary. Darn. We're going to start, we should have done Antichrist for our first episode. Oh, we're willing to focus his balls crushed? Yeah. Ugh. That's a Christian movie, right? I mean... Yeah, I guess. Technically, it's Christian-themed. Stigmata. Stigmata, uh, The Exorcist, Part 3. Part 3 is the big Christian one. Yeah. That's where they're Christian superheroes. Right. Uh, the, the Conjuring movies are Christian superhero movies. True. 
True. Yeah. And you uh, know what? I Passion think of the that... Christ. Why not? That's kind of hey, a horror movie. Throw it in there. And uh, one of the goriest movies I've ever seen, to be totally honest. Uh, yeah, technically. And uh, Gremlins very, 2. Very passionate. Oh, it's funny you mentioned Gremlins 2. I was actually watching Gremlins 1 earlier tonight. Oh, yeah, just in time for movie. the Christmas season because yeah. I'm Russian Orthodox. Very good. Yeah, I was trying to trying to get it in there before you Russians start celebrating the one holiday where you get to have toilet paper. <laughs> a communist Russia. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> we all know the joke. Yeah. So at the at the end of the day, Greg, would you recommend this movie? Fuck no. <laughs> As you mentioned, the CGI at the end is just like Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It is. Um, it's a Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It's Spawn. It's yeah. uh, I, 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 fuck. Again, to give out a full spoiler, Basil evolves, I guess you'd say, into just a full-on demon. 100% CGI. He looks like he's on a in a PlayStation 2 game. PlayStation Not, 1. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's quite as bad as 1. Not quite as good as three. Yeah, it's like it's like two. It's like Kane, uh, the not blood, uh, blood omen. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Well, it's like Soul Reaver. Once blood omen, once blood omen got into into the sequels, then that's where those graphics were. Yeah, I really want to pinpoint it. Which is to say that it's it's complete bullshit for a for an actual feature film. I uh, and also the acting, and I mentioned already the acting in this movie is. Too fucking good. Yeah, well, because I don't know how they got some of these big name actors to come on. They probably just guilt tripped them by being like, "Hey, you guys, you guys like God, and you have to do this." Because like the the level of acting is way too good for like the rest of the budget of the film. Michael Bean is phenomenal. Basil from Austin Powers is so fucking good. And that one guy who's always a Nazi and everything. The guy that's always a Nazi. Yeah, he play. Now, he basically plays a Nazi in this too, just not technically. He plays a Nazi in Iron Sky. He he played the doctor in he's, the he, uh, he's in, um, the editor. Yes, and he he's in uh, Indiana Jones. He's in Blade. The first one. He plays a fucking Nazi. Yeah, he's a, he's the Nazi guy. He gets his face melted. He's always a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a Nazi in this. But again, big spoiler here. So uh, anyone who who actually wants to watch Megiddo. The Omega, Omega Code, Code 2, Code. don't listen to this one. But at the very end, when everything kind of wraps up, we can all live the rest of our lives in comfort because the text screen that flashes right before the credits does assure us, don't worry, everybody. Jesus won. The devil is vanquished. Yep. Uh, go pray to the Lord. The end. I love that Jesus showed up after all those people died. Yeah, right? Couldn't have, couldn't have come in maybe five minutes earlier, saved some people. He could have came in when Basil was still a little kid when he knew this was going to happen. Yeah, he just wanted to watch it all play out. This is amusing to him. He's a little bit of a sadist. He sits up there in a rocking chair with a glass of lemonade and is like, well, it's good to have land. Yeah, he's like, who's your lord? Everybody, praise your lord. He's wa- He's up there watching reruns of Jersey Shore and he's like, Oh, God, I guess I'll fucking come down there. Go down to Earth and smite the devil? What are you, my dad? (laughs) He's just an angry drunk that doesn't want to get off the couch. (laughs) Ah, Shut the fuck up down there. Don't make me get up. (laughs) 
Why is the ironing board still out? <laughs> Don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> what are we heating the outside? Close the door. If you kids won't stop Armageddoning down there, I'm going to turn this shit around. <laughs> what are you, sodomy? Guilty of sodomy? What are you, Micah? <laughs> <laughs> sodomy and Gamora? Anal sex? What are you, my dad? <laughs> I like sodomy, okay? I didn't forget. You are not innocent of sodomy. I'm not apologizing either. Hey, uh, all to, right. No, it's, uh, it's okay. It's all right. I think we should stop talking about this fucking movie. Yeah, I think we gave it more time than it deserves. Yeah. I, well, I was having a good time. Omega Code Part 2. Not exactly a, a hit movie that's on everybody's minds in 2022, but... But you should watch it. It have Michael Bean, and it is streaming for free right now. So uh, if you're both curious and masochistic, check that one out. Micah fucked me into it. I uh, sure did. So we're and here, I don't even live near you anymore. We're here ready to fuck the rest of you into it by recommending it. Yeah. So go on Amazon Prime. Go to Megiddo. Watch it. That's, I recommend watching it if you have a hangover. That's M-E-G-I-D-D-O. And I guarantee you we're pronouncing it wrong. Uh, Megado. My my Yiddish is a little uh incorrect as of late. Yiddish? What are you, my dad? <laughs> I haven't been to shul in, in many years. <laughs> <laughs> That's brisk, baby. Uh... <laughs> mm, it's chewy. I did check out uh, something else recently, too. Speaking of... Um, What'd you check out, Greg? Old classics uh, yeah. on streaming services. Um, City of Lost Children was recently brought to uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, wonderful. And I, I can't recommend this movie enough. It is a uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet 1994 absolute classic. Um, anyone who doesn't recognize that name, he's the genius who brought us Delicatessen and also Alien Resurrection. My favorite Alien movie. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best one, but it, it's visually impressive, and that's kind of what he's good at. I like Aliens more, but Alien Resurrection is such a guilty pleasure. It's a lot of fun. It's so much fucking fun. It's it's not the scariest. It's not the most... Uh, I don't know. It's it's not the best one by any means, but it is a lot of fun. And I, I, I like, love it. I like Ron Perlman. Yeah, and, uh, you know, speaking of Ron Perlman, he's also in City of Lost Children. So if you're looking for something a little different, I will say this isn't French. Uh, prepare yourself for some subtitles. But this is a just bizarre, dark. If, if you're into things like The Dark Crystal, uh, you know, some of those kids movies from the 80s that were just so fucked up that they wouldn't be made today. This is along those lines. It's one of those. There's basically a mad scientist stealing the dreams of young children because he can't dream himself. Yeah, uh, so he, he's it's this odd, just bizarre steampunk kind of like early uh, like nineteen hundreds kind of world. Everything's cranks and gears, you know. Interesting. Ron Perlman plays a uh, like a sideshow strongman. Who oh, is he a big lion? Kind of. He's, he's kind of like the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. I, yeah, I was going to say he's, he's the Beast there. again, huh? He he falls in with an Oliver Twist esque group of young thieving children. And uh, basically is on a a mission to save his adopted younger brother from uh, this mad scientist who kidnapped him trying to steal his dreams. There is a cult of religious cyclopses. Oh, um, like in Crawl. 
there is a brain, a, a talking brain in a fish tank. Are like in Metroid? Sure. Yeah, just like Metroid. There are six, uh, I don't know what the correct word is, but I'm going to go with mentally handicapped clones. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, there's a opiate-addicted uh, opiate flea circus manager. Ah, Johnny Depp. Yeah, there's a conjoined twin woman called the Octopus. Um, Ooh, that's hot. There's a lot of cool stuff. It's it's French dark surrealism. This sounds so, really weird, dude. If you're into that kind of thing, I 100% recommend it. The plot moves fast, and it's a little tough to follow the first time because it's subtitled if you don't know French. Uh, so you really have to kind of pay close attention. And I will warn you, it can be a little tough because the visuals are so interesting that it's easy to get distracted. But it's absolutely worth a watch. It's worth two watches. Oh, just like The um, Matrix. Sure. Matrix Resurrections. Watch it once, watch it a second time, reversed in slow motion. That's really where you really get the, uh, the quality out of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, my review, five out of five, City of Lost Children, Jean-Pierre Junot. And uh, while you're at it, watch Alien Resurrection again. Kick off 2022 right. I like that. Go. Dude, that's awesome. And then, uh, did you check anything else out recently? No, dude, that was pretty much it. I got into that Book of Boba Fett show. I've been watching The Witcher Season 2. Sweet. I watched and, a bunch uh, of Goosebumps episodes. No shit. Yeah, and I gotta say, I'm not quite as enthusiastic about that as I am about uh, about the last one. Okay. Um, my review of Goosebumps, because I am now a mature adult, this mm-hmm. is just a shitty, super low-quality version of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Earl Stein is a hack and a fraud. Whoa! And if you want to watch the same thing but way better, just watch Tales from the Crypt. That's that's what I got for you. I watched I mean, um, some of the classic episodes, like Stay Out of the Basement. The father's just throwing weed in the basement, and he wants yeah, to stay out of yeah. there. Yeah, I, I will give him credit for being the first man to uh, grow a humanoid plant that he could fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one, Monster Blood is big. That also kind of sucked. Let's get invisible where the kids were like, you know, they, they found a mirror that makes them invisible and didn't go anywhere. I remember that one. This show is full of bad twists and worse acting. And I know it's for kids, but it's so just lazy and terrible. Do, 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 do. I would even say, you know, I, like, I remember kind of liking it as a kid, but. I kind of liked it, but it wasn't as good as Are You Afraid of the Dark? I was just going to say that. If you're, if you're yeah. going to watch Goosebumps, watch Are You Afraid of the Dark instead. You know. I actually went back and I, I was watching some old episodes of Are You Afraid of a Dark but, uh, when I was still living in Buffalo, and yeah, it didn't it didn't hold up, dude. Oh, never mind. Yeah, it's not it's not as good as you remember it. See, I haven't watched that in a while, and I haven't watched Goosebumps in a while, but I saw that it was on. Um, I think it was on Netflix. It was like, oh yeah, yeah Goosebumps yeah. is on Netflix. I remember that yeah. being being cool when I was a kid. Turns out it's only cool when you're a kid, and I feel like the books are the same way. Haven't read them since I was very young. Probably wouldn't nowadays. Uh, watch Tales from the Crypt. The, or to a lesser the, extent, Creepshow. Yeah, dude. Same formula. A lot more gore and tits. Uh, way more satisfying. Honestly, I love Creepshow. Yeah. I really do. Good stuff. The movies and the show. Yeah, Creepshow 3 especially. If you guys haven't seen that... Oh, God, shot. I would rather watch Megiddo Part 1. Out of this world. There is no Megiddo Part 1. Yeah, Megiddo 1, the the Omega Code 1. It's just called the Omega Code. Oh. Yeah. Casper Van Dien goes full nude in it, I I think. I've heard. No, you got it mistaken with Michael Ironside. He goes full nude. He Ah, hangs dong. 
Casper Van Dien, very handsome. He has a light switch for a penis. Really? You heard it here first, folks. Light switch for a penis? What are you, my dad? (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Uh, Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Peter Dinklage will be playing Toxic Avenger. Okay. uh, In the, the, the new Toxic Avenger movie. He's playing the lead? He is playing, he's playing Melvin. Oh, okay. Uh, like Peter, on stilts or something? Or? No, 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 he's Melvin. He's a little guy, and he's he's Melvin, he's bullied and shit, and eventually he turns into a toxic Avenger and fucks everyone up. Oh, so you're going uh, for a really high contrast with this one. Uh, yes, uh, the bad guys in the movie are Kevin Bacon and Elijah Wood. Hmm. Peter Dinklage is set to play as Melvin, who eventually turns into the Toxic Avenger. Peter Dinklage was in an interview recently, and he said, it's not a remake. It's just like guerrilla filming. Those movies, he's talking about Troma and Lloyd Kaufman. Those movies, they, they just made them, no matter what, Dinklage said. They just did it because they loved doing it. Some of them are not the best, as we know. Uh, we, we did Troma March. We did tro march, tro march, tro march, tro. We we learned a lot. We did. We learned that I. Lloyd Kaufman is a villain. I'm going to keep being unpleasant, which I'm pretty good at. Let's see. So he he said some of them are not the best, but some of them are so much fun. When you make movies to clean. uh, It could go distance the audience, like distance the audience. They want to make you feel the dirt under their fingernails. I think those trauma films definitely dip the audience in toxic waste. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so he said this about the Toxic Avenger movie that's coming out, and I we do not have a set date for Toxic Avenger yet, but it sounds like that this movie now the director behind Toxic Avenger, the the new one, is uh, a huge huge fan of trauma and Lloyd Kaufman was on set working with everybody and just kind of overseeing things. And they were going back to him for advice. Beautiful. Uh, So it's, it's kind of like the opposite of what they did for, uh, you know, George Lucas with the star Wars movies that just came out. Oh, they didn't Uh, give, uh, they didn't give Lloyd Kaufman complete unquestioned control over it and an unlimited budget and just say, Hey, make three films that will ruin your classic original. Nope. Oh, they just kind of had uh, they had Lloyd Kaufman hang out and go, yeah, that's what Toxie would do. Sure. You got tits in this. Can I see him? Can I touch him? That sounds about right. That's that's pretty much uh, Lloyd Kaufman's M.O., right? Yeah. As he pretends to be blind, he gropes you. And then uh, when you threaten a lawsuit, he's just like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to keep being unpleasant. Yeah, I'm Lloyd Kaufman. I'm fun. I'm bumbling. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm zany. Goofy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't you hate Astron 6? I hate Astron 6. I'm like Mel Brooks, kind of, but just not as funny. I've always kind of thought he looked like Mel Brooks. A little really? bit. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know I sent you this. I don't know if you watched it, but James Wan is going to have a Netflix series coming out called Archive 81. Hell yeah. All right, dude. So Archive 81, it has a uh, a trailer out right now and it's uh it's an interest it's it's, it's a real interesting twist on the okay. found footage genre. Uh and Always it kind of has that Rosemary's Baby setup complete with a uh, cult creepily running amok in an apartment building. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. What are you my dad? Uh <laughs> 
Uh, so Archive 81, it follows uh, Dan Turner, who takes a job restoring a collection of damaged videotapes from 1994. Okay. Not to be confused with my favorite movie that came out last year, VHS 1994. VHS 94, rather. I thought you were uh, going to say Fear Street 94. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was fun, but... Uh, by the illustrious R.L. Stein. Yeah! R.L. Stein's Fear Street 94. Who we've established as a hack and a fraud. Yeah, it, well, it, it's like you take you take Goosebumps, you know, take Goosebumps and crossbreed it with Alice in Chains, you get Fear Street 94. You know, um, that's actually, that is incredibly accurate. That's why, that's why I get paid the big bucks here, buddy. Uh, how, how are you this fucking smart? Where did they come from? Uh, well, I would like to thank Weller's Whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'm drinking Weller's like a classy boy. You're over there drinking yeah. Fireball. Uh, <laughs> so back for on... 12 years by Peter Weller. Better <laughs> <laughs> <Dead or> alive, <laughs> you're coming with me. So back on this, it's uh, he has all these videotapes from 1994 that were destroyed in like a fire. Okay. Uh, and he's putting them together, trying to splice everything, because apparently everybody was fucking dead in this fire. And uh, that's when he starts to get haunted Hell yeah. by, by something, uh, something crazy. I don't know. It might be Larry Bird. Who oh, fucking knows? Oh, go uh, to the bird boy. The trailer kind of leaves everything up to interpretation. Uh, but I'm sure this series will be very exciting, very spooky, very fun. It'll be coming out January 14th onto Netflix, my friend. January 14th? That's tomorrow. I no, is it? I don't know. <laughs> well, before we get into uh, our movie, I I want to give us a, a little bit of a issue. I, I guess I guess a uh, an homage to the one great Betty White. Okay. White. Okay. Not for Golden Girls, not for anything that she did with Ryan Reynolds or how adorable she is, whatever, or her activism and all that. What did, I want to go do back. With Ryan Reynolds. Her and Ryan Reynolds, they uh, they had a movie together with Sandra Bullock. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but uh, Ryan Reynolds and Betty White, they did a lot of fun stuff on the internet together. What a really dry hand jobs is what I'm picturing. That's what you think. You know how clammy Betty White's hands were? Oh, Jesus, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Clammy hand jobs? What are you, my dad? <laughs> yep, we're going to keep doing it, everybody. Get <laughs> used to that one. Yeah, Maybe we can't sing people. anymore, so we're gonna we're just going to talk about dad hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to talk about Betty White and giving us one of the most lovable amazing villains ever and oh my god I, yes i'm talking about 1999's lake placid so where good. we had we had oliver platt we had bill pullman and we had bridget fonda but the real shining star was betty white's uh character in that movie where she bred fed and kept a murderous giant fucking alligator yes. that terrorized the town of lake placid which I don't and, know if you've ever been to Lake Placid. Actually, I have not. I mean, it's known for the gator attacks. That's what I hear. Yeah, you, because you got a bunch of in that town. You you see a lot of signs saying, uh, "Don't go to Betty White's house unless you want those dry ass handies." Yeah, it's, it's, that's that's what I hear. Uh, and the the giant twist of the movie, like I mentioned, was Mrs. Bickerman. She's been keeping this gator fed by 
blindfolding poor cows and leading them towards the giant hungry beast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since the gator has been fed really well its entire life and has grown to record size with a substantial appetite. Yeah. A substantial appetite for orphan children. Yes. Lake Placid is an absolute classic and a gem. Sure. And Betty, Betty White is absolutely amazing in that, playing as Mrs. Dolores B- Bickerman. I implore everybody to go back and rewatch that classic. She's one of it's, the few actresses that can play a Dolores and be believable. Yes. Right? Because she was like, uh, I want to say 105 when this movie came out. Yeah. But Betty White is was absolutely adorable in the movie. And uh, she loved that alligator the same way I love my dog. Sexually? And I would... I, what, having sex with dogs? What are you, my dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, I think uh, I think a couple of apologies are probably in order here. Oh, God, I have so much to apologize for next week. Uh, well... <laughs> you might as well go first then. All right. Well, there we go. First Hit that piano, more... Matt. All right, Matt, you got it. Okay. Oh, there it is. He is tickling that ivory. <laughs> tickling that ivory. What are you like? Oh fuck. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Don't say. I. 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 First off, I would like to apologize to the entire Jackson family. Oh. All right. So last week on our episode, I. I brought up Jermaine Stewart and then you brought up Jermaine Jackson and I feel like I was a little harsh on Jermaine and I wasn't making fun of LaToya Jackson I genuinely like LaToya Jackson and I also really do like Jermaine Jackson sure uh what's not I to love, like I honestly dude seriously what is there not to like it's it's Jermaine Jackson Beautiful. and I also want to apologize to my the late Michael Jackson we don't have proof that he had sex with all those kids to uh, create his superpowers and being able to toss a coin into a jo- jukebox. Realistically, so, we don't have any proof that he's actually dead either. No, man, he's hanging out with Tupac. So, yeah. Yeah, and in, Andy Andy Kaufman. In Antarctica. No, he's on a beautiful beach somewhere. Yeah, in Antarctica, which is in little... fact not a southernmost continent but is a uh, an icy wall surrounding the disc that is our beautiful flat earth. Yes. Yes, Continue. you're right. Okay. So, I don't have any proof that Michael Jackson is actually still alive on an island having sex with little kids to keep his superpowers. What? Oh, I mean... We're apologizing here. Apologize. We don't have proof that that happened. Yes. It's all alleged. So, to the Jacksons... All the Jacksons out there, if you're the surviving a Jackson, Jacksons. the surviving Jacksons, I sincerely apologize. And also, I want to apologize to the fans for taking so much time to talk about Matrix Revelations. Yes. Uh, because... I especially apologize to Blanket Jackson for all of the talk of Matrix Revelations. Blanket! He doesn't talk like that. Oh, he doesn't? I thought he did. He was grown in a lab. Don't they have to talk like that? Does he? Hey, my name's Blanket. <laughs> you know what? I have heard that. I think you are right about that. My name's Blanket Jackson. Okay. All right. Blanket Jackson, what are you, my dad? <laughs> <laughs> Having sex with kids? What are you, my dad? 
there's my heartfelt apology, Greg. Beautiful. I, could, right. I felt it. I felt it from here. I think, right. um, I think all those, those Jackson siblings and also uh, the kids, like they, I'm sure they appreciate it. Miss Jackson, if you nasty. Sorry. It's cultural appropriation, what you just did. So now it's my turn. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to apologize. This is actually kind of a this might be a little bit more of a serious one than I'm used to because I did actually get a little bit of a complaint, a little bit of pushback from a fan last week. Wait, really? Well, let me uh, let me just get right into it. Uh, I would like to apologize to Sir Thomas Binger, uh, who of course is the prosecutor from the Kyle Rittenhouse self-defense case. I am sorry that I referred to an allegedly incompetent attorney in last week's movie by your name. I did receive a message telling me it was in poor taste. It was a little soon, I admit that, to be laughing at the substandard way that you go about your job. But to be fair, anyone who thinks that you know what you're doing isn't really paying attention. Oh. Uh, so this is not a political statement. I don't care what your, uh, what your opinion on that whole trial is, but I think we can all agree that he is terrible at his job. So yeah. that is why I compared him to an incompetent attorney in the hit film Cannibal the Musical. Oh. The end. That was... Wow. There is nothing political attached to this. Uh, I was just making a joke at the expense of a, of a dipshit attorney. Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. So I, so I apologize for that. All right. It was, it was topical in, uh, in the news. Topical like a cream for a fucking zit on your ass. Just trying to be current, everybody. Just trying to keep it current. Oh, God. Delete the episode. Yeah. All right. Here, just start over. So, my friend, I think without further ado, it is time to get into the movie of the week. Okay. We are talking about Roger Corman's. The man himself. God damn it. Do I love Roger Corman. I'm, I'm uh, right there with you, man. Galaxy of Terror. Terror. We are going to go back to 1981. Roger Corman's Galaxy of Terror. Greg, how, how, since we're going to space this month, how do you feel about this movie, my friend? Space. Well, if you want to hear my, my quick summary of this uh, Roger Cormano classic, it is a shameless alien ripoff. Um, yes. Originally rated X. Um, because they tried and, I would say, didn't entirely fail to replicate the psychosexual terror of the Geiger alien designs. Many cuts were made. Many cuts uh, were made. But what we ended up with fell a little short of their goal. I disagree. I, but we'll the, talk about it. The acting and the characters make up for a lot of the um, void that the special effects left. If that makes I, sense. I, I okay, I see what you're saying. I still think the special effects were pretty good in the movie too. Oh, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of they fun, are. but they are not alien, is what I'm uh, saying. Also, I feel like this movie, Galaxy of Terror, kind of feels like it has like the feel of one of those 1960s space movies. It does, and if that was intentional, then they fucking nailed it. But I feel like it wasn't. It was like a big-budget, 1960s, low-budget Roger Corman sci-fi flick. Okay, that sounds, Maybe, that sounds astute. But, you know, in 1981 version with a higher budget, mm -hmm. better actors in color. Which and, was a big uh, deal at the time in 1981. <laughs> and we got ourselves some nudity. 
I mean, never wanted to shake a stick at a little bit of nudity. And the nudity in this movie, uh, there's not a lot of it, but boy, does it hit, and it is fantastic. You can always trust Roger Corman to come through with the boobage. Yes. I, I know uh, for our listeners out there, you guys know how I feel about Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. I consider Roger Corman probably one of the all-time greats. Yeah. Uh, I know he's considered King of the Bees, where Roger Corman said, I do not like being called King of the Bees. I am the King of Exploitation. Well, because, I mean, bees are generally known for, for respecting the queen a little bit more. I think Corman knew that his position was both temporary and fragile. Roger Corman is a very likable Lloyd Kaufman. As opposed to Lloyd Kaufman, who is a very unlikable Lloyd Kaufman. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Um, Now, there's a lot about this movie. Before we get into the plot, before we Mm -hmm. get into the characters, uh, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about James Cameron. Oh, please do. I've heard he was involved. James Cameron was actually the art director in this movie. He was. uh, Where he worked on a lot of the sets and everything like that. And um, he actually stepped up while making this movie. And there's a scene we're going to talk about that uh, actually opened the eyes to a lot of producers and big Hollywood people, which got James Cameron to make the movie Terminator. This film was Uh, his proving ground. It certainly was, and uh, it's a scene we'll talk about that involves Sid Hag lobbing his arm off. So this movie is actually what lost, what like launched James Cameron's career based on his work, and his, not just his work, his hard work on this movie, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with such a, such a tight budget, making, uh, making more than what he was given. And this this movie actually helped him make the movie Terminator, which is kind of wild, too, because after that, shortly after that, just a couple years, he did Aliens, which is considered one of the greatest sci-fi horror movies ever made. Of course. Um, And drew heavily from his experience with this film, as you can see, the the clear... There's so many parallels. Yes. With the set... Everything that he did on this film is reflected and amplified in Aliens. It totally is everything with the set to the costumes. What was it? AV426, the planet. It looks just like the planet in this movie. Yep. Like, just fucking like it. And this movie, as you said before, is a blatant ripoff of Alien. Mm -hmm. James Cameron worked on it, and then he went on to do the sequel to Alien. Now, Alien. A lot of the character tropes that are uh, presented in this one are reflected in Aliens as well. Yes, yes. Thank you. That's the other thing, too. Every character in this movie has their own little backstory. They mm-hmm. have their own, like, subplot. And they have their own... It's They have their own character. Which, before this, it was kind of... And obviously, with Alien, we had that as well. But before that, everything was kind of one-dimensional. These characters were three-dimensional. And James Cameron brought that in Aliens. What he also brought in Aliens was a one Bill Paxton who Bill Paxton was also in 1984's Terminator. And Twister. Let's not forget about Twister. Okay, that has nothing to do with any of that shit, Greg. Twister, what are you, my dad? Twister, I barely even know her. (laughs) (laughs) Bad sex puns, what are you, my dad? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Bad sex? What are you, my dad? <laughs> so yeah, so James Cameron actually had Bill Paxton in Terminator and Aliens, and he met Bill Paxton on set of this movie. A match Bill made Paxton, in heaven. Bill Paxton was the set dresser. Before he was an actor, he actually worked behind the scenes in movies, and he worked with Roger Corman in this flick, where he met James Cameron, and they hit it off right away. Much like Harrison Ford's uh, origin story. Yeah. Yeah. He where was like he a got... set uh, carpenter, or uh, he was on like the stage crew yeah. or something, when he was, Just like... uh, he was chosen to be Indiana Jones. Just like Jesus. Yeah. The son of Spielberg himself. <laughs> That's right. So Bill Paxton was the set dresser in the movie. That's where he met James Cameron. Okay. And uh, I mean, there's so much more that we will actually talk about this movie as we go on with our review. Mm -hmm. But Greg, without further ado, why don't you give us everyone's favorite part of the show, the characters? It's certainly my favorite part. It's my favorite part. <laughs> so let's start off with the number one, the one uh, that I think we'd all recognize on first viewing of this. A little character that I like to call Freddy Krueger. Oh, yes. A.K.A. Welcome. Ranger. Yeah. I think was his real name in this one. And he is, of course, played by... Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Robert England. <laughs> Good old Bob England. I think uh, everybody knows Robert England from the V series. Yeah. V and, for Vendetta. Uh, 2001 Maniacs. I was just going to say that one. And, of course, uh, Bud the Chud. The sequel yes. to Chud, where he made his uh, feature film debut as Big a child break. kidnapper. <laughs> In this film, he is, of course, a soldier, a fighter. He is self-loathing, suspicious, cool but crude, and prone to outbursts and fits of insanity. Yep. Much like another character that he's played in his time. Yep, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Famous for Freddy vs. Jason. Yep in which he played Marge Voorhees, the mother. Wait, what was her name? Helen? Maud? Stop. <laughs> Pamela, you cuck. <laughs> Maud. And then next up, we have... Uh, Me, Arthur. <laughs> we have a little character known only as Sid Hag. Yeah. Who is our hardcore badass, our roughneck mercenary he's a beardy baldy combo he is a crystal addict a shitty doorman and a quick decomposer so quick at decomposing and what was his actual character's name in this Q-Hog. yes yeah cohog cohog yeah like that uh that town in rhode island where um the cleveland show lives quaalude yeah yeah he's a lewd Sid Lude, I think, was his, his original stage name, but he I'm decided to. Pretty sure. Said it was a little name, outdated. Pretty sure his name was Captain Spalding in this. Known for his clown suit and affinity for Tutti Fruity. He's a real big fan of Captain Sensible, who said, Say, Captain, I'll say a what? Also, a huge fan of Captain Stabbin. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Stabbin? What are you, my dad? <laughs> Sex on a boat? What? On a boat? <laughs> also a huge fan of Tutti Frutti, I've been told. Our next character is Captain Murtaugh, who I named thusly because he is, of course, too old for this shit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. 
<laughs> and if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I mean by that. He is insecure. He's nervous. He's an unqualified commanding officer. He's tired. He's fat. And he is pathetic, but horny. He's so horny. Much like Captain Stabbing. Yep. And our next character in the lineup is another uh, another ship captain. She's a co-captain, we'll say, to Mr. Murtaugh. A little ship captain that I like to call Heroin Sally. Oh, she is so dusty. She is a disgraced space captain, haunted yep. by her past. She mm-hmm. is strung out, baggy-eyed, bad at her job, and worse at Atari. And you know she has so many moths in her pussy. <laughs> that's that's what they call the old space madness. <laughs> pussy moths. If everyone else goes into cryo sleep, but you stay in the cabin, you get a little bit of a moth in the pussy. Yeah. All right. Or next up, I actually don't even have a uh, clever nickname for this one. She is just Damia. Oh yeah. Oh god yeah. Oh god. Oh god yeah. Right. There's a lot of. Oh. There's a lot of names I could have given her. There's a lot of inappropriate. Oh, downright Dave sexist things I could have said about this character. Dave O'Connell, literally the hottest fucking girl I've ever seen in a horror movie. Yeah, also known as Damia. She is the blonde medical officer. She's a little bit of a suck-up to the captain. She's the office flirt. Gotta be honest, she's mostly useless to the plot. That's she's what you a, think, baby. Well, she's a reluctant alien copulator. Who lacks peripheral vision. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. A very close counterpart to another character that we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. So, next up, we've got a character that I just called Swan. And Swan. those of you who are fans of the Warriors will know what I'm getting at there, because this is Balon. Yes! And he looks just like Swan from the Warriors. He He's does. Man. He's a born leader. He's a stoic, courageous hero. He'd look right at home wearing a leather vest with no shirt underneath it. Uh, he's also a hothead with feathered hair and has clearly never seen Jurassic Park. There you go. Warriors! Balon! Uh, uh, real quick, about Balon here, his real name is Zalman King. All right, and uh, I knew that. This is one of the characters I actually wanted to talk about a little bit. He was more of a director than an actor. Okay. He did pop up in some shows like Gunsmoke, but mainly he was a director, and he directed a lot of erotica films, Greg. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, movies and shows that involved a lot of sex, a lot of sexual undertones, overtones. Anything uh, in particular? Red Shoe Diaries. Oh, okay. Red Shoe Diaries is my least favorite show to masturbate to when I was a teenager. It wasn't great, no. Do a lot of work with TBN, the uh, the Trinity Broadcast Network? I've only jerked off to that a couple times. Oh, you're talking about him. Uh, no, I don't think so. But if you look up Zelman King's Wikipedia, and this is a fucking fact. Don't mind if I do. Okay. This is the first thing his Wikipedia says, all right, Greg? Mm. Zelman King was born in Trenton, New Jersey. He was Jewish. Huh. And that's it. Well, that's a, that's a sentence fragment, if I've ever heard one. And then after that, it goes into his career. Oh, I thought you were going to say that was his entire Wikipedia entry. 
Oh my god, that would be great. <laughs> no, but that's the first line to his Wikipedia page. I feel like there's a lot of overlap there with uh, Glenn Danzig. <laughs> Whoa! He was born in Trenton, New Jersey. He was five foot one. <laughs> I think Gene Simmons has the same Wikipedia. He was born in Trenton, New Jersey. He was Jewish. Yeah, he is Jewish. He remains Jewish to this day. Oh, that's because Zelman King died in uh, 2012, I believe. Oh, no. Not Swan. Yeah. Not Black Swan starring Natalie Portman. And those two went to town on each other. <laughs> Going to town? What are you, my dad? <laughs> <laughs> so next, we have uh, a little character. Didn't really catch his name, but he wasn't around for very long. I just called him Rookie. Oh, fuck this guy. He is the proverbial new guy. He is a young, inexperienced wiener kid. Yep. He pukes first and asks questions later. Yeah. And I guess just to sum it up, he is a bitch, a pussy, and alien food. He's squeak. Yeah, he's he's squeak without the hilarious one-liners. Without the charm. Yep. Without the uh, the rampant libido. Without Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's on funny squeak. Yep. You know what? That doesn't make him sound all that good, does it? Nope. But our next guy uh, makes up for it. Little character that I like to call Corky, and he is played by the famous, infamous actor Carl Hongus. He's in all kinds of things. I don't remember Ray Watson. There you go. Uh, he is the nutritional engineer. He is the proverbial old guy. Yep. He is a, a possible spy. He's a yeah. master of the universe. He is definitely a synthetic. And he is also Mr. Hand from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Not only is he Mr. Hand, but he is also Poop Deck Pappy in Popeye. Yes. Yes, he is. And he was Uncle Martin in My Favorite Martian. And I just have to say, if you're here, and if I'm here, doesn't that make it our time. Hey, bud. Let's party. <laughs> <laughs> Might be one of the greatest lines ever written. Oh. And of course, Corky was there for it. Yep. So, our next guy up is the mustachioed Adonis that is Mr. Cabrone. Fuck yeah. He is basically just a normal, everyday dude type dude with a bitch and stash and a Camaro in his garage back home. He's a real Paxton type. You say Paxton type, I say he's a real Tom Selleck. You know, a lot of overlap between those two. And you can okay. really see where this guy walked, Paxton ran when it came to aliens. This was. Uh, this... I, I, I feel like he was more of the Michael Bean. I'm talking just his general attitude and his general swagger. Oh, he's, he's the being the cool guy? This is if aliens took, what was Paxton's name in Aliens? Oh shit! Don't put me on the spot. Fucking uh, Cheddar. If they if they took Cheddar <laughs> from Aliens and made him the star, that's what this would be. Yep. Right. This guy did a lot of other shit too, obviously. But I'm gonna point out the fact that he was the Red Ranger's dad from Power Rangers Time Force in uh, the early 2000s. Holy shit! He was. Yep. I never and, really. Uh, I, I never noticed that or cared. This guy clearly uh, went all Patrick Swayze. He smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, and he died of lung cancer in 2006. <laughs> died of lung cancer in 2006? <laughs> <laughs> what are you, my dad? 
right, and last but not least, we've got uh, a character that I just called Girl because she plays a girl that is not Ripley. And she is also a girl that doesn't get naked. Yeah, that's really all. I mean, she doesn't do much, but she does clearly parallel Ripley from the Alien movie, um, but doesn't have the same impact or role or, or Bush. acting ability. or Yeah, there's... Honestly, I don't even know how to gauge her bush. She didn't even give me a chance. Yeah. So that's it for our uh, our cast of characters. I actually want to talk about that character real quick, Greg. Okay, let's do it. That is played by Aaron Moran. Aaron, uh, not Ripley Moran. Yeah. Now, do you recognize that last name? Because I don't. Her brother is actually Tony Moran, who played the unmasked version of Michael Myers from Halloween. Oh. Okay. Uh, his biggest role for from, two uh, seconds from Halloween H2O yes and she also played Ron Howard's sister from Happy Days Stacy Howard okay <laughs> Joni you fucking asshole she actually had her own spinoff at the same time Happy Days was going on after Happy Days literally jumped the shark yeah Stacy uh, loves Chachi Joni loves Chachi mm-hmm. with our favorite our favorite listener of the show, Scott Bayo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, there's some crazy shit that I heard about her her character in the show Happy Days is that the producers now, of course, producers, writers, and directors are all different. Producers are usually the ones with money yes. that want to fuck all the kids. The producers at age 15 forced her to go on a strict diet of lettuce and water and apples because they wanted her to be a sexy little thing. That's in quotes for this Uh, for happy days because of her body dysmorphia from happy days. She ended up having a lot of issues in the uh, the early two thousands and she ended up in VH one's celebrity fit club. Because that's okay. what you do to somebody, a celebrity that's already had fucked up body issues. You put her on a show where she's fat, and you got to make her lose weight in a competition with other washed-up celebrities. Well, now I just uh, feel terrible about mocking her for not being Ripley. Dude, also, she had a real hard time after this movie. In the late 80s, she actually got evicted from her trailer park she was living in, and she was homeless for a couple years until she married uh, another actor Kind of came back into the scene a little bit, but then eventually she died at age 56 in 2017 of throat cancer because her and the other character in the movie, they smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Fuck, Joni. Yeah, man. Well, now I just feel awful. Yeah. And also, she refused to get nude in this movie. She agreed to be nude in this movie, and she was cast because she was voluptuous and curvy, just like uh, uh, the other character uh, we spoke of. All that lettuce and water goes straight to the hips. Straight to the boobs. But yes, there was a... Well, I guess we'll talk about that scene when we get there, but there there was a scene uh, where I could absolutely see that being... We will talk about it. And I can also see it being cut, because as I mentioned earlier, this did originally have an X rating... Because they were really trying to to jump on that alien, you know, sexual... Uh, Geiger fuckery. Whatever, whatever the word is. That sexual undertone, which in this film is just absolutely an overtone vibe. Yes. Uh, and I guess I would be remiss if I didn't mention probably one of the most important characters in cinematic history. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, dude, you left a character out. Easily the most important as far as plot goes in Galaxy yeah. of Terror. And probably... The terror in Galaxy of Terror, if I really have to put a, a pin on it, 
A little, a little guy I like to call Glizzy the Grape Worm. Oh, Glizzy! Yeah, Glizzy. He'll take you down in the basement and grape you up against the radiator. Yeah, he will grape you in the mouth. He will, he will grape you in every orifice because he is a large maggot slash caterpillar slash alien bug. Yep. Who loves to give you, let's just say, um, uninvited hugs. Oh, yeah. He's that. He's that guy that's always like, "Hey, hey, where's my hug?" Hey, I brought the grape juice. <laughs> it's in a bucket with no lid, and it's oh. splish splashing all over the fucking room. <laughs> he is a grape worm. He is an uninvited guest. Glizzy and, uh, is the type that'll yeah. text you, "Oh, taking a shower without me." I have hundreds of tiny little hands, and they are all dedicated to bad touch. Although he's going to turn all those grapes into wine pretty quick. You know, mush you up and squeeze out all your juices. Mush you up and squeeze you out all your juices? What are you, my dad? (laughs) And he's going to ferment him for 15 years and drink him like he's Peter Weller. (laughs) Yeah, just like Andre the Giant. (laughs) Peter Weller, what the fuck? Robocop didn't make wine. He's in Detroit. There's no wineries there. There's no fertile soil in Detroit. (laughs) You don't eat anything that comes from the soil in Detroit, my friend. Jesus Christ, I don't go to Detroit. Why would you? I try not to even think about Detroit. (laughs) I went to Detroit once to see the insane clown posse at their their Halloween show called Hollow Wicked. And I will never go back to Detroit again. (gasps) Yeah, I went there one time. I was accosted by at least four homeless people who tried to steal things from me. One of them tried to steal a hat off of my friend's head. We almost got in an actual brawl with a homeless man. And this was all within the first half an hour of being within the city limits. Were you there to see Dima Borger? Uh, no, we were actually, I think we were seeing Primus. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, back in like 1999, something like that. Hey. Oh, you listen to Primus? What are you, my dad? <laughs> All right, you know what? Let's go into uh, New World Pictures, the movie that destroyed New World Pictures, where Roger Corman had to sell this shit. And we of have times. A, yeah, we have a, a sweet opening scene of a planet that kind of looks like AV426. Yeah, and we have a space dude just getting the shit kicked out of him by an alien. Uh, an alien or a space ghost, man. We don't even fucking know. Coast to coast, but this scene is super fast. And honestly, it's kind of pointless because it's over really quick. And we cut to a scene which I, I can only call it, what is it? Like the Oracle from the Dark Crystal talking to a discount Red Skull about sending a rescue mission to Uranus. Yeah, uh, so they have to go to Uranus, and the the guy with the glowing red face, the discount Red Skull, is like, Uranus, finally, I have played the game too long. Now leave me, old woman, because I play alone. He's he's the master, I think they refer to. Yeah, they keep calling him the master, and then Queen starts playing, Masters of the Universe plays, and then uh, there's a quickening. I think I might be thinking of the wrong movie. I don't know. But the old woman, she starts narrating in the scene, and you think she's going to play a big part in this movie. Nope. And uh, she kind of goes, uh, she whistles through her two missing teeth yep. and goes, dental plan, Lisa needs braces, and she so fucks long, off. Dental plan. And she's gone. Yeah. 
she fucks off, never to come back again, and is completely pointless to the fucking plot. But yeah. she warns the master that if this is your plan, you will be surrounded by death. And the master goes, fuck off, you old hag. I've been waiting too fucking long for this shit. I'm willing to have some little collateral damage for what I want. Yeah, she momentarily tries to bait the master, but it does not work, and she is booted from the room. Master's got a mission, and he's sending out his crew. So we've yeah. got... Captain uh, Captain Murtaugh and Heroin Sally are on the bridge calibrating their navigational computers. They basically this whole set looks as if Alien was actually Star Trek. That's that's the, the vibe that I got. The entire inside of this ship is actually uh, takeout shit from McDonald's. Really? Yeah, it was like uh, back in you remember those styrofoam gimmicks that your Big Mac used to come in? Dude, I used to throw them into the ocean, like, all the time. Dude, whales love to eat that shit. Yeah, it's, I think it's pretty good for them. It's nutritious. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've eaten a few of them. Well, the walls, the sets, and everything were actually made out of these styrofoam fucking McDonald's shits. You know, now that you mention it, I, I can kind of see what you mean. Yeah. You can see it because of the Big Mac logo on everything, right? That's that quality set design. Uh, you can really see the James Cameron touch on this. Roger Corman was just like, budget, I got all these fucking McDonald's wrappers, do budget. something with that. I'm hungry for Big Macs. <laughs> he's, he's feeding the crew, every the cast and crew Big Macs just every day, just so they can like gradually build the set. Roger Corman does it for the three Bs. That's Big Macs, Bunny, and Bussy. <laughs> I'm going to put an echo on that when we actually do this. Bussy. <laughs> We cut to a scene with Freddy Krueger, Sid Hag and crew, all preparing for their mission. And again, this is just, this is kind of like aliens, but obviously totally different. Totally different, because Captain Pussymoth, she's like, I'm blasting into space right now. And Captain Who Gives a Fuck is just like, nobody is ready yet. And she's like, well, they got 30 seconds to get their shit together. Yeah, we're doing it. Heroin Sally laments her previous disastrous mission with a thousand yard stare. And we learned that the Hesperus Massacre uh, was a tragedy that resulted in only one survivor. And that her. was her. Yeah, all our moths from her pussy ate everybody. Yeah, so they, they struggled to get in their seats for a moment. Uh, everybody's uh, just kind of getting ready for hyperspace. And after some trippy wormhole effects, our crew of space heroes eyes each other nervously as the CPU announces their arrival. Yeah, and right before this, they go into to hyperdrive, and there's an actual, there's a real fun scene where everybody's scrambling to get into their chairs to buckle in. Robert England, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Freddy Krueger actually had a really hard time with his with his uh, belt buckle, and uh, complete spur of the moment there. It was it wasn't in the script, but uh, Blondie. I already forgot her name, Damia. I think uh, Damia. reaches over, reaches over to Robert England, kind of waves him on. Robert England sits in her lap and she wraps her arms around uh, Freddy Krueger's sexy waist, mm-hmm. and uh, she kind of has a fun, shit-eating grin look on her face. It turns out this wasn't in the script. Robert England's chair just didn't fucking work. And Master Roger of the Corm- improv. I've always thought that about him. And Roger Corman said, "You know what? Fuck it. We're keeping this in the movie because it's fun." Good choice. I mean, Absolutely. you're going to cut out just some classic uh, Freddy Krueger ad lib. Yeah. Be a fool. That's what you hire him for. 
Exactly. You hire so, him to abduct your niece and to ablib. Yeah, and haunt your nightmares with, uh, you know, knife fingers. But yeah. for some reason, the autopilot is drunk on the job, and they spin out for a pointless amount of time. And they, oh, God. Uh, after a while, eventually land roughly on Uranus. Yep. The new guy's in the corner puking his guts out. <laughs> Silly decides to stand up and just exit the room saying, my job is done here. I did the piloting. I need a little bit of Xanax. And yeah. uh, she basically just says, I'm out. Hey, Captain Murtaugh, you're up. And he is not ready for the job, but he no. takes command. He is a sweaty mess. Yes. As mentioned, he is too old for this shit. Just like my dad. Uh, so our crew of quote-unquote colonial marines suit up and go for a spacewalk. Uh, oh, they don't even test the atmosphere. One thing I noticed, yeah, they do not put on helmets. They're no. Just, they're just out in space. No they big deal. They walk out with these giant backpacks, which apparently all they do is work as a flashlight. Yeah, they are very big shoulder lights. And they look a little bit more like Ghostbusters than Space Marines. Actually, um, Greg, they look a little bit more like characters in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, is that so? these are all leftover suits, props, everything from Battlestar Galactica. I knew I saw them somewhere before. Hell yeah, uh, dude, because you're a look- big fucking nerd. <laughs> I've always said so. Tell us about how much you love Doctor Who, you fucking pansy. I was actually just going to say, they look like they have big old Apple II computers strapped to their backs. <laughs> I'm a man who loves a good old floppy drive. Floppy drive on you, my dad. <laughs> and they look like they're holding like car washing wands in their hands. But regardless of what their equipment looks like, this crew is ready to rock and they are going on a spacewalk. They go to this crashed ship they were sent to search. And yeah. you know, within a couple of minutes they they search the cabins, they search the rooms, and they find a dead body. And right away, Balon just decides to light it up like it's the 4th of July. Does not miss a beat. He whips a knife into it like a ninja badass. Yeah. The rookie just starts puking again, just spilling his guts into the corner. <laughs> and Cabrone boldly leads the way as they explore this derelict spacecraft. Both him and Sid, they incinerate every corpse that they find. They quickly declare victory, and say, uh, you know what, we're going to go back, we're going to report to our commanding officer, and we're going to get the fuck out of here. It's a little bit of a, kind of Event Horizon-ish at the same time, too, but I was confused why they decided just to incinerate every corpse. Destroy the evidence? I they didn't know. even check for a fucking pulse. These guys could have still been alive. At a certain point, I almost thought they were going with sort of a, like, a Wayland yutani thing. Like, ah. We're going to find out they're here for a different reason, but uh, nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're they're just psychopaths. They're like, hey, a dead body? Let's see what (laughs) happens when we burn it. You guys ever see Return of the Jedi? I'm going to burn this fucking body like it's Darth Vader. You boys ever see a dead body? Hey, boy, you're a dead body. So, Swan and not Ripley decide to team up. The rookie gets separated and finds an extraterrestrial menace. He, without fail pisses his pants, and starts crying. Oh, Everyone again. else uh, decides to leave and go back to their ship, the ship they arrived on, Yeah. Uh, while the rookie stays behind just in time to get his scalp peeled off by a big rubber space monster. Oh, this thing is nasty. Yeah. At this point in the film, I kind of assumed that this was going to be 
just the main nemesis. This was going to be the thing that's fucking with everybody throughout yes. the entire movie. That's what they give you, and that's what you assume right away, because the first time I watched this movie, uh, I want to say like 10 years ago, that's exactly what I thought, too. Yeah. But uh, there's a whole lot more in store for us than just this. Oh, uh, boy. Turns out Galaxy, Galaxy of Terror is pretty deep. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot more about the inner psyches of our characters by viewing their greatest fears. And you mentioned Event Horizon earlier. Yes. That's There's some parallels a, there, a right? A lot more relevant as time goes on here. Yeah, I but, think Anderson's got a little explaining to do because I think he ripped this movie off. Uh-huh. A little bit. A little bit. But for now, the rookie is no longer living. And I have to say, the rest of the crew doesn't really seem to be all that upset about it. <laughs> Nobody liked him. He kept puking everywhere. Yeah, they kind of just take it in stride like, Hey, yeah, he's dead. We should probably write that up in a report, but uh, what's for lunch? Yeah, you know what? Better yet, let's incinerate him. Yeah. You know, yeah. you guys want to see another corpse go up in flames? <laughs> we all get real excited about that. Let's you love burning dead bodies as much as I do, Captain Spaulding? Let's do this. Let's do it. Uh, Sid Hag is really fucking, he's into it. He's like, tooty fucking fruity. <laughs> tooty fruity? What are you, my dad? <laughs> <laughs> A delicious dairy treat. So they all discuss, uh, they all speculate on the cause of death here. Swan and Captain Murtaugh argue about the point of their mission. They're like, do we stay here? Do we go? Did we, did we find everything we need to find? Swan makes the argument, there's no survivors here, so let's just fucking go home. Yep. No, no, he's the smart one. Right. He could have saved a whole lot of trouble if they would have all just listened to him right here incredibly trigger happy which is like all right let's get the fuck away from this guy how do we get away from this guy let's go back home yeah otherwise he's just gonna burn a whole lot more corpses and as much as we really enjoy that that's like fireworks on the fourth of july for us kind of costs us a life every time he does he's gonna want more corpses and how do you get more corpses by death he's out of control he's He's more animal than man (laughs) so they all decide to gather around their atari 2600 and they realize that there is an unexplained presence that they need to investigate a little blip on their radar their uh their computer their nav computer is showing something and apparently it is their duty as soldiers as citizens as men as men investigate and Turns out, there's a pyramid. Yeah, there's a big fucking pyramid. They didn't know this until just now. There's a, big, a, a, there's a pyramid within like 100 yards of where they landed. Yo, did you guys see this fucking pyramid? Let's go check it out. Yeah, that's kind of what it amounts to. Like, There's something in there, probably. This is probably pretty cool. You guys want to go incinerate a space mummy? <laughs> oh, do I? You got uh, Damia, Cobrin, Cobrun. Cabron, yeah. Cabron and uh, Captain Murdoch, Murtaugh. Either or, sure. They go scale up this fucking pyramid. They all throw Captain... on their proton packs and they uh, they decide they're going out again. Yeah, and that's where I, I at, at this point, it's kind of weird because uh, sweaty Captain Murtaugh looks down a hole and he decides to start quoting Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. I think there's just supposed to be some more, like, character development. I don't know, but he, like, looks down and he's like, Romeo, oh, Romeo. 
We're may, all the Romeo. He may be old, sweaty, and uh, and horny, but he's also educated in the uh, in the class. In the arts. So he goes spurlunking down the hole, but not before Tom Selleck and Sexy Blondie tell him, hey, we're much better and we're pretty spry young people. Maybe we should do this. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't be the one going into this not-alien hole with a not-alien egg at the bottom of it. Yeah, and the captain is like, fuck that, I'm going to take my fucking proton pack, which is not only a flashlight, but apparently a... Uh, I, I don't know dick about fuck when it comes to rock climbing, Greg. I don't know well, what this actually it's does. It's not only a flashlight, but it might actually be two flashlights. It turns out these backpacks are like Batman's utility belt. There's all kinds of shit in them, yeah. Oh, yeah, good old Swiss Army backpack. Yeah, so he, he decides to, to rappel down this hole. Turns out to be a big mistake because he is just as old and tired as he appears to be. It takes a moment to flirt with Damia before he suddenly loses his grip and eats shit. It's fucking pathetic. I don't know. How do you describe the, uh, uh, what is it, like tentacles that, that suck onto him? It, it kind of looked like, now, if, I mean, obviously all of our listeners are like in their 30s and 40s. We don't have anybody younger than that. No, no, definitely if not. You, if you watch SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, Squidward tentacles, like arms and hands. They kind of look like, um, if like a face hugger in a in like the shit that comes out of a graboid's mouth were combined. Okay, oh, you know what else it kind of reminded me of? Uh, Prome- <laughs> Prometheus, uh, that like snake thingy that broke the guy's arm and fucked him up. Oh yeah, yeah, like the um, the prototypical face hugger. Yeah, the precursor to face huggers. The primordial uh, face hugger. Yes, yes. Before it was altered or whatever. The snake hugger. Yeah, a snake hugger. Very good. Slimy, long snake. You know what, Greg? They're big, giant dicks. Yeah, it's, a, it's a dick monster. It's a dick monster. These uh, are a bunch of dick monsters that dick come monsters out to him. Uh, Murtaugh, he decides to castrate a few of them, but he uh, can't fight them off, and they suck him to death. They fuck him like only a dick monster can. Yep. Yep, so he's dead. Oh, well, gone. Thank yeah. God, too. That Everyone's guy sucks. Everyone's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. We probably shouldn't have sent the oldest, most inept member of our crew down the hole and the sweatiest and our commanding officer and he was also like ah two days till retirement (laughs) right like i shouldn't even be on this mission why am i going down the hole and they're like it'll be fine it'll be fine it's this is not event horizon don't worry that won't be for another 15 years so he's gone sorry murtaugh you were too old for this shit you know we'll see you in the afterlife but back at the ship heroin sally and corky are hanging out with Freddy Krueger on the bridge, and they are bitching about the quality of the food. Oh, they're not having a good time with that, because it turns out my favorite Martian is fucking cooking up a bunch of shit. Corky is a crappy cook. Yeah. Which uh, kind of it, it lends credence to my theory that he is actually a replicant. Because he can't taste anything. Right. And he thinks yeah. that gruel is, is nutritious and delicious. What is this, fucking Blade Runner? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, so Rudger... They borrowed a lot from Alien. Why not Blade Runner 2? Sure. Oh, Part 2? No. That came out just a couple years ago. Yeah. No. I mean, also. I know. Blade Runner also. Tears. Tears in the die. piss. <laughs> piss 
on my leg. I think Rutger Hauer looks Don't up to the sky me. and it's rain. Rutger Hauer's most famous monologue, probably one of the greatest monologues in sci-fi. Don't go pissing on my leg and telling me it's rain, okay? <laughs> okay, Harrison, time I've to s- die. I've seen testicles over the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, our humor is that juvenile here on DTS. Stay tuned, it's only going to get worse. Oh boy, 67 episodes. So, Sally, heroine Sally, talks briefly about her Hesperus massacre. Her past experience, her Oh, you're talking about Pussy Moth, okay. Yes, is that what you're calling her, Pussy Moth? I'm calling her Pussy Moth. Okay. And she, she gives the ominous statement that they're still out there. This time, I'm ready for them. How the fuck did she get cleared for this mission? Clearly her psyche is not okay. This isn't Alien where they sent space truckers. This is a military operation. Yeah. Right? Do you think yes. they would do a like a psychological evaluation of the crew members? Nope. She's fucked. Oh, yeah. She has space madness. Yeah. She's got the space madness. She's eating bars of soap. Just like, that they're, just like Ren. Assuming they're ice cream bars. She's <laughs> lost her shit. And uh, as we'll see, she is terrible at Defender. Or Centipede, whatever the fuck that game she was playing. Uh, so this is where uh, Freddy Krueger Freddy and my favorite Martian, they look at each other and they're like, wait, where's Captain Pussy Moth? And uh, Freddy Krueger is just like, hey, let's go this way. And then my favorite Martian karate chops Freddy Krueger, knocks him out. And tries to go and talk to some fu- talk some fucking sense into Captain Pussy Moth. And Captain Pussy Moth is like, no, they're out there. They're coming to get us. And he's all like, no, you saved my life a hundred years ago because I'm a very old man. Don't you remember me? And she's like, you mean to tell me you're not the cook? And he says that he's some weapon specialist. It's a part of the plot that's very confusing and adds yeah. absolutely nothing to it. And that's, uh, at that point, Captain Pussy Moth runs off. She runs outside and ends up, uh, uh, this part's confusing to me, too. Yeah, she, she she splits for no reason. She yeah. freaks out. I think her emotions get the best of her. She runs away, and that's when Freddy shows up and basically asks Corky, like, what's going on? Where'd the captain go? I'm looking for her. And this, uh, again, he's suspicious as fuck. He's just like, I didn't see her. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know if Freddy believes him or not, but he turns around. This is right about the time where the airlock alarm goes off. The airlock. She, for some reason, she freaked out and ran into the airlock. And she lit up like the 4th of July or just like all those corpses that had to be incinerated. And when they open the door to release her, she does not have a face anymore. No, it's just like Indiana Jones. Yeah. And those Nazis that melted. And it's actually not a terrible effect. It's a great effect. Her face is gone. It's just like a a skull and... Mush. Eyeballs. Some slurp. Yeah, she wasn't a very major character, but need a little bit of gore at this point. Oh, at this point, yes, we did, because we we got that fake disappearance death from Captain Murtaugh. That was kind of a cop-out, but we got some legitimate gore in this scene. Swan and company reunite at the entrance to the pyramid, where Sid is assigned to guard the door while the rest explore around inside. And it turns out, uh, what's his name, Quaalude? 
Quaalude, uh, <laughs> Captain Spaulding. Captain Spaulding, he, uh, he throws his crystals at a door to yeah. stop it. Yeah, it turns out he's really bad at being a doorman because he allows them to close, trapping him on the other side. And the crystals that he just threw very quickly turn into poltergeist crystals. Yeah, they don't really have a background on Captain Spaulding's character in this. Yeah. But it turns out he is in love with these crystals. I don't know if he fucks these crystals. I don't super uh, understand what they were getting at here. He, I don't know. I don't know if it was like... One of his only lines in the movie is like, I I am into these crystals. <laughs> like, uh, I think thing. his line from the movie, it was just like, fuck your mom. Yeah. Fuck your mom's mama. Yeah. Most of all, fuck you. Fuck the Beastie Boys and the Dalai Lama. Woo, woo. <laughs> Yeah, but then uh, uh, also you you can tell there's a, there's a little bit of love between Captain Spaulding's character and uh, Coburn's here because they do that weird like it's not a high five but it's like they they make a fist at each other. Yeah, you can tell they've got a, a prearranged secret handshake. Yeah, it's a very uncomplicated one. It's just sort of like they they bump each other's shoulder blades with the palms of their fists. Yeah, they and they do where... it a lot. Balin tries giving Captain Spaulding a gun, and Captain Spaulding is just like, God, I fucking hate guns so much, but oh, do I love my crystals. Yeah. Fuck that. I don't need no firearm. I got this crystal knife. It will never betray me. It will never go inside my arm. It will never cut my arm off, force that arm to attack me, and uh, result in my ultimate demise. So everything that Greg said is what happened. That is exactly what happens to him. The crystals come back to life. He gets so happy and elated to see them that one of the crystals goes into his arm. He lobs his own arm off. And then his arm that is on the ground throws a crystal at his chest and kills him. Imagine being betrayed by your own arm. Imagine being betrayed by your own crystals. That is the psychological terror that is the galaxy of terror. I think uh, you're starting to pick up on what's going on here at this point. Yeah, we, uh, we're going to reveal the, uh, the big spoiler. This movie is Event Horizon. This movie is fucking Event Horizon. <laughs> yes. All of their greatest fears are made real by the pyramid. I don't even know what the, it's called. I, 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 yeah, sure, the fucking pyramid. But the yeah, cigarette it turns of out- the master. It turns out Captain Spaulding was just so scared of his crystals because he loved them so much. Yeah, I don't really uh, understand that part. So anyways, he's fucking dead. Yep. So everybody else that's trotting ass through this fucking ass pyramid. Yep. Uh, uh, Sidhag is gone from this film from now on. He is, he's, he's toast. Yep. Uh, so Damia, uh, the, the hottest fucking piece of ass in this movie, decides to go back to Captain Spaulding to hang out with him yep. uh, to relieve him of his guard duty duties. I said duty. <laughs> and, and what does uh, she find? But his maggot-covered corpse. Now, this is what James Cameron added to the movie. James Cameron added the whole effect of his arm actually moving by uh, his genius engineering abilities. And then decided to cover the corpse corpse arm in maggots. The maggots were... He used a a power drill and a plumbing snake. Correct. And he also added a little bit of an electricity to it to get the maggots to move. And the secret ingredient was love. Just like my cookies. So Damia, she's walking around. She sees the hand. She shoots it because that's the thing to do, apparently. Well, her first instinct is to incinerate it. (laughs) 
just like everything else. That's in this what we do. Movie. Oh, I found a like, body. Wait a minute. Do I recognize that guy? Too late. I'm already incinerating. But my thing is this: What if Captain Spaulding lost his arm and is walking around without an arm and is like, "Shit, I gotta find that shit, put it on ice, and get it reattached," and she just blew it up? Yeah, doesn't matter. You see a body part that shouldn't be there, you incinerate it. That is, Boom. I feel like that is like the prime directive of this mission. That's what they were briefed on. No you questions see bodies, asked. You burn them. Yeah, body parts, burn them. Uh, That's why jo- we gave you these Elon Musk flamethrowers with giant flashlights on them. Make use of it. Dude, if this was 1994 and I found John Bobbitt's dick in a fucking field, I would have shot that shit on fire, brother. I tell that's, that's you what. what happened. I think that's why he got all that money. Uh, that's why. Yeah, then he uh, he had that weird surgery that turned his dick into like a bag of potatoes. Yeah, well, because he had two other dicks mushed together and sewed back onto where his dick used to be. So oh, he had got, a donor dick? He's got like a Franken dick. Yeah, no, I, well, think, I knew it was a Franken weenie. I think it was his... Like, most of it's his own dick. Yeah. There's definitely, like, pieces of other dicks on there, I'm pretty sure. Other dicks? I don't know. They call that the Bobbit. It's like the Bobbadook. Yeah. (laughs) Bobbit for apples. The Bobbit Duke. Every time he takes a shit. Don't let him in! Don't let him in! Don't (laughs) let in the Bobbadook! The Bobbadook! (laughs) This is where we got a a maggot that just, uh, uh, what'd you say his name was? Glizzy? Yeah, Glizzy the Hug Maggot. Oh, I love Glizzy. Yeah. So Glizzy turns into a giant maggot, which yep. is basically one of Mothra's larvas. And he is hell-bent on uh, stomping some grapes. Do you want to take this scene? No. I'll do it. You Hey. Please. Play me some real sexy music, Matt. Take the sacrifice for the rest of us. All right, now, so this here maggot, he sees this blonde over there, and he goes, Damn, baby, you sure do look pretty. Did I say pretty? Because I meant beautiful. And he approaches her, gives her a little back massage, gingerly takes her clothing off, gets her all wet and slimy, and she's like, Oh, no, Mr. Big Giant Glizzy Maggot, what about the mission? And he's like... Oh, you shut up, baby. I got a mission for you. And it's with these big old tentacles going in your pussy holes. And uh, they make love. They, and uh, uh, They incinerate each other, as is they, the style of the time. They make love, Greg. Yeah, like only, like only a maggot and a human woman can. Yeah, so that's not what happens. This big giant maggot just rapes the fuck out of her. Uh, and uh, now I said, I said, uh, uh, grapes, grapes, oh, uh, fuck. Whew. Grapes her. Uh, and she is covered in uh, Nickelodeon gag slime. Uh, yeah, and apparently this scene was supposed to be a lot more graphic. I don't know just, how. It's just upsetting to hear. I think Corman had a vision that was basically uh, snuff pornography. Yeah, what the fuck? Did he just finish off watching Last House on the Left? I'm starting to think he might be a bigger monster than Lloyd Kaufman himself. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe. I think he watched Alien, and he was like, oh, so the kids nowadays really like some uh, some psychosexual violence, eh? Well, let me give it to you. I'm turning this up to 150%. And well, uh, the censor board, they did not uh, see eye to eye with him. The they original half of this. Yeah, the original scene was 
Uh, she was going to get her top ripped off and this thing was going to eat her. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a last minute thing. Roger Corman decided, no, you know what this movie needs? It needs a graping. Yeah, uh, well. And yeah. Uh, uh, she uh, she did not want to be nude in this movie. Uh, but Roger Corman, being a, uh, a sweet, smooth operator like he is, talked her clothes off, covered her up in slime. It turned out that was the biggest the discrepancy with this uh, not discrepancy but the uh i mean smooth operator is one way to put it another is to put illegally broke contract yeah yeah okay <laughs> apparently uh, you could do that back in 1981 uh um, oh yeah women's women's rights didn't matter then come on sadly this is evidence of that uh, yeah no clearly it is yeah i mean she got uh, she got graped on screen but uh, she really got graped contractually yeah, she did. And it was just supposed to be her top. Turned out it was everything. Yeah, not cool, Roger. Yeah, not cool, Roger. Uh, so back on this, I guess her biggest complaint was actually that the fact that it was super cold and mm -hmm. the slime made it even worse. And yeah. it was, uh, uh, she was losing feeling in her fingers, in her feet, in her boobs. That was, uh, this, that was the feel of her soul leaving her body as she yeah. realized that, uh, Hollywood is just a just a horrible bitch goddess. But this actually, this scene actually like solidified her as one of the top scream queens, and uh, kind of made her like a name uh, in horror. All right, so it was all worth it. Uh, sure. I mean, she's seventy years old now, and she is still doing work. Like, thank you, still... Roger Corman. Hey. Everyone should thank Roger Corman. Thank you. For turning us into superstars through subterfuge. Did I mention Roger Corman is my all-time favorite in horror? Yeah, I wouldn't push that too hard. Yeah, he kind of Kaufman this up a little bit. <laughs> At this point, everyone else on the ship decides to suit up and join their friends in the pyramid. Cabrone and not Ripley resolve to survive with the power of love. Just like Huey Lewis on the news. Exactly. And they go down... What I can only describe is a wacky but kind of dry water slide, and they end up in a dark industrial alien cavern, which seems to be just a high, narrow metal catwalk. Do you notice also that no one really gave a shit that the person that got them there is dead? Yeah, a lot of people have died so far, and they're all just kind of like, yep, we're in the pyramid. Yeah. So things are going fine. So we got ourselves not Ripley. Yep. Coburn. Cabrone. Cabrone. Yep. Uh, Freddy Krueger. We got Freddy. We got Swan. And Corky. Well, no, Corky has kind of disappeared. I think he stayed back on the ship. No, he's with them. Is he? Yeah, this is at the point where when they, they go back to the ship to kind of regroup, he's like, I would very much like to come on the mission. Yeah, but they're on the mission now. They're in the pyramid. Everybody's yeah, in the pyramid. Yeah, and he went with them. Did he? Yeah, that's where Freddy Krueger the whole time, he's like, I don't trust him. Welcome to primetime, bitch. It's prime time, baby. He's like, I don't, I don't trust this Corky guy. Uh, I hear first times are messy. <laughs> so we have Swan, Freddy, and company exploring the event horizon until they are surprised by an ominous alien noise. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's just kind of occurring all around them. They're all getting a little bit nervous when, oh fuck, it was under us the whole time. It trips Swan into Freddy. And, and Freddy pissed. has a lot of choice words about Swan. He flips the fuck out as if this was, like, something Swan decided to do. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dude, an alien grabbed my leg. What do you want from me? 
Yeah, and then Freddy's all like, you're all my children now. God, this is God. <laughs> That's the only line I know from Freddy. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. I've, I've only seen one of the Freddy movies. Oh, yeah, the Dream Child. Yeah, it was, it was the sixth one. It's it a boy! I was just going to say that. At this point, they decide to split up because that's a smart thing to do when you're uh, being fucked with by your nightmares on the event horizon. And yeah. uh, Swan dicks around nervously in the dark. His giant light pack actually does very little in this scene. And I don't know what you got out of this, but all I can describe it as is he gets clever girled by his <laughs> worst nightmares. He certainly does. This Doesn't thing kind of reminds me of like a monster from Metroid. A little bit. Yeah. A li- it's a Actually, little bit of a crade. I think that this movie was the inspiration to Metroid. You think so? I mean, Alien nope. definitely has something to do with Metroid. Oh, yeah. One of one of the main antagonists of Metroid is called Ridley. I'm a virgin, dude. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Fuck, I never really thought about that. Uh, probably mostly a reference to Ridley Scott. Or Galaxy of Terror, probably. Mo- yeah, yeah, definitely Galaxy of Terror. Yeah, I, I, I the, the main antagonist from Metroid was Freddy Krueger. It was Freddy, wasn't it? It was. Or what is um? What's what's the actual main character from Samus? From uh, Freddy. Freddy Krueger. Yeah, Freddy Krueger. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's what I thought. Yeah, I don't know why I said Samus. I'm thinking of. Uh... Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I think you were talking about Metroid Prime. Oh wait, no, Samus. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Punch Out. Sorry. Yeah, in the original, it was. Uh... It was Frederick, Frederick Krueger. Yes, yes. And the whole thing actually occurred in a dream. Known child killer. Yes, of course. That whole thing. We'll apologize for this next week. Once we we get some angry emails. Going to have to, yes. Yeah. Freddy now realized that there might be an alien somewhere around here. He's uh, absolutely the last one to come to a realization here. At this point in the movie, we have uh, Corky, who's my favorite Martian, mm-hmm. uh, Co- Cobrin, uh, the Tom Selleck-looking guy, not Ripley, and Freddy Krueger. These are the the final four. Yep. This is it. And I also love that they just don't give a shit that, like, ten people literally died already. They just keep moving right on. Yeah, they, they yeah. have no regard for their fallen comrades, which I think is a, you know, a little disrespectful. No, so they walk through an Illuminati-looking triangle, glowing triangle thing, and they all end up in different rooms. They are constantly jumping through glowing triangle doorways, and it looks like a bunch of 40-year-olds celebrating a birthday party at LaserTron. <laughs> that's Honestly, what I got out of this. Yeah, wow, that's that's very that's very good. And at this point, right? too, uh, Corky, who is the mysterious cook, has disappeared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did that kind of... Um... Kind of obviously. Kind he's of. Not, he's just not there anymore. And if you haven't, if you weren't suspicious of this guy from the very beginning where he was talking in like a stilted tone as if a robot would, I don't know, maybe because this came out before Aliens. He's Bishop. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I saw this after I saw Aliens, but I was very much on the lookout for a synthetic betrayer. Or he's Ash. Well, I, uh, technically, Bishop was not an antagonist. Ash was no. The, the Ash was problem. a bad motherfucker. Yeah, right. But you know what I mean. Like he he was not acting human 
throughout this whole movie and he wasn't hiding it. No. So and he this lied is not a exactly lot. Yeah, this it is was not exactly blat- revealed. Lines. Yeah. Yeah. So Freddy Krueger officially loses his fucking mind. He starts physically fighting his own reflection, which is, you know, generally a sign that you kinda lost your shit. Yeah, um, space madness. And he gets knifed in the arm, but he takes it like a boss. And he just kind of, you know, keeps going. I was watching it with my dad, and he kept screaming at the TV, Freddy Krueger's got a gun, why isn't he shooting Freddy Krueger? What the fuck am I watching here? Oh, what's in the bowl, bitch? Oh! Did he say that? No. Did you say what's in the bowl, bitch? Did your dad say what's in the bowl, bitch? No, he no, he did not. Uh, and that's where Freddy Krueger realizes that other Freddy Krueger is full of blood but no guts, yep. and that it's all an illusion. This is about the point where we have not Ripley crawling into a vent that is very different from any scene you've ever seen in Alien. She quickly gets wrapped up in a bunch of not alien tentacles, Evil Dead style. This is this is very reminiscent of the Evil Dead uh, grape scene with the tree. Shelly, <laughs> thought you were gonna keep going with that. <laughs> no, uh, Shelly. <laughs> so she gets her fucking skull crushed. Oh my god, so this scene itself, she was supposed to get all of her clothes ripped off, and she was gonna get great by this tentacle monster uh, that screams, Shelly! Just like that prank call I got recently, where they were like, <laughs> hey, is, is all of her clothes off there? <laughs> and I was like, no, why do you keep calling me? <laughs> is Amanda there? Amanda hug and kiss? <laughs> She was supposed to have all of her clothes ripped off, but she fought tooth and nail to not do this. Even mm-hmm. though she agreed to be nude on film, it caused a lot of issues on set. So, uh, as a compromise, because that's what you do in relationships, you compromise. And yeah. then maybe you won't end up divorced like me. Okay. Anyways, instead of that, they settled for the most violent death of the movie. Yeah. Where her body literally breaks in pieces and explodes. This is actually terrifying, because not only is she in a very claustrophobic environment, like cramped in a vent, but yeah. she's being squeezed to death. Not just her body, not just her rib cage, her arms, her legs, but her skull is Dude. being crushed by these alien... Uh, and I think they're technically supposed to be, like, wires. They're supposed uh... to be, like, cables. Uh, yeah. From inside the vent, it's like utility cables. But they, they just look like the alien alien. They look tentacles. like alien tentacles. Yeah, and they, they yeah. squeeze her. They they crush her skull. They pop her brain and her eyes out. Dude, this scene kind of fucked me up. I did not expect that to happen. I thought they would cut at some point, but apparently this was even longer before they, uh, they made their, yeah. their ratings cuts. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she explodes, and I know our... Uh, there are some listeners that listen to the review. They don't watch the movie. You guys have to watch this fucking movie just for this scene. It is very entertaining. It's a fun movie. God damn um, it. This scene is so good. And let me just say, the cuts that they made were definitely for the best. There's a notable fewer grape scenes than there would have been if they had not cut things. And I yeah. think that is, uh, that's a good call because we just had one a little bit earlier. 
really not too long ago. We didn't need a second one, Roger. Swan didn't get graped. Captain I know Spaulding you saw Alien. I, I know you, you interpreted the work of H.R. Geiger, and you were like, oh, yeah, it's all about P and V.G. So we're just going to do that to the extreme, and we're going to make it violent and scary. But, yeah. you know, once was enough. You, could, you, you did a good job. You crushed a skull. You didn't have to crush a puss. Roger Corman had a lot of naked chicks in uh, Slumber Party Massacre. So, you know, that's what you want. Go check that out. That's very true. Yeah, thank you for that. You're welcome. Everybody go watch Slumber Party Massacre if you need to fulfill that base urge to see yeah. graping. Some feminist horror there, buddy. Yeah, Corman. You know Corman. You know the you know what Corman does. You're familiar. Yep. Friendlier Lloyd Kaufman. He's like Santa, where Lloyd Kaufman is like Krampus. It's like good touch versus bad touch. So uh Cobrin Tom Selleck, he ends up finding his lovely lady, who's not Ripley, and he has no closure in this. He can't go give her a kiss goodbye or any of that shit, because she's just a pile of mush. Oh yeah, he loses his fucking mind when he sees her. So oh, now yeah. what we've got left, we've got Cabron and Freddy. They basically just kind of give up on life like it's the end scene of the thing. And they're just kind of oh, sitting yeah. there like, hey, uh, you know what? There's no getting out of this pyramid of terror. We're just gonna... Hang out until we die, I guess. Freddie also explains to him that it's uh, it's just all an illusion. Yeah. But these illusions can kill you. I mean, because Freddie, he's kind of tuned into that sort of thing. He's been doing it for, I want to say, like nine or ten iterations of that series, right? Oh, yeah. He knows all about it. But this is about the time when her old friend Corky shows up. Yeah, that's where they're like, so it's all over. It's all over. There even hasn't been a beginning. And he's standing up on top of another fucking pyramid inside of a pyramid. He's the villain now for some reason, which I guess isn't, it's not like a huge reveal, but it's like, hey, thought you'd do something at some point, right? Welcome back. And this motherfucker turns into the shiny red skull from the beginning. What? It all comes full circle. This is quality he's... script writing. This is beautiful. This is reincorporation, I guess. you. Oh. Could mg greg so you're telling me that he baited everybody i mean i'm stealing your joke from earlier baited the entire crew of this mission he jerked everyone off yes the oracle unfortunately is nowhere to be seen we never actually find out what she was all about because she's at the fucking dentist greg but we do learn that this has all been a game an old ancient game it turns out it's a children's game it's a game of death you have to go through it because that's where he went through it to become the master. Yeah. But there is one last challenge that Tom Selleck must face. There can be only one. Here we are. Born to be kings. And every fucking monster that was in the movie comes out to attack Tom Selleck. Yes. And Tom Selleck shows off his sweet fucking hardcore parkour skills. Menaced by the zombie husks of his dead friends. Oh, before that, though, he has to fight Great Monster. He has to fight Metroid Monster. Yep. And he has to fight, ah, fuck, the, uh, the tentacle monster that killed not Ripley. And yep. he fucks him up real easily. And then that's where we have Return of the Living Dead, starring yep. Linnea Quigley. Because he's powerful. And he shows that off. This is a game of death that is easily dominated by, by our new masturbator, El Cabron. 
because with great mustache comes great responsibility. And Corky bows before him and says, Hola, cabrón. I see that you have risen to the occasion in my pyramid of death. This is the only way that you can become the new master of the universe. And, and he's uh, reluctant. Yeah. He doesn't want to do it. And Corky is all just like, what, to let your planet go into peril? No, you will become the new master. Yeah, he's basically saying, yeah, you got to be the fucking master. I'm sick of being the master. Now it's your turn. I already did this. I did this all this this deception. I rode on the ship with you. Came all the way out here. I brought you to the pyramid. I even cooked yeah. fucking food. I cooked. And I'm not good at that. You all know. You noticed. You, you, you ate my food. It wasn't great. It was just, it was plain oatmeal. I tried to throw some raisins in it, but I know y'all fucking don't like that. And uh, I couldn't find brown sugar anywhere, so good luck, guys. Yeah, I didn't find brown sugar, but I found some soy sauce. You ever put soy sauce in oatmeal? You know how hard it is to find brown sugar in space? I'm the master, and I couldn't even fucking do it. So, yeah, you're welcome. So Tom Selleck, he shoots lasers from his stomach. And dies. And then it's the end. Yeah. Everything's fucked. Uh, Pyramid's over. The end of I the movie. Went, I went through all uh, all the fucking credits, yeah. hoping to get a post-credit scene of Robert England yep, sitting nope. there going like, well, I guess I live here now. Kind of a major oversight, I have to say. Old Bob England kind of left holding his dick, and they never really resolve what he's all about. I don't have any bodies to incinerate. I was a little confused by that. Yeah, nobody came back and incinerated him. He didn't incinerate anybody else's bodies. It's just, goodbye, uh, goodbye, Fred. Good night. Goodbye, Moon Man. We got a new Red Skull, and uh, you're just going to have to go to sleep, I guess? Yep. GTS, man. Fucking uh, Captain America, you are fucked, dude, because Tom Selleck, he's coming for you. Yep, the end. What a great movie this was. Uh, Galaxy of Terror is so much fucking fun. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Of just, it, it jumps right into it. It grabs you by your bushba, pulls you in. It has a lot of fun sci-fi tropes. Uh, it has a lot of fun horror in it. A lot of fun practical effects. The sets on it are great. Of course, you can see a lot of parallels with aliens. You can see a lot of the shit they stole from Alien. And you can see a lot of stuff that was stolen from this movie, like movies like Event Horizon. I particularly... Very much love this movie. This is a fun movie that I actually, I think a few years back, I want to say for like a month straight, I was falling asleep to this movie. Like I would put it on right before bed. It's just so much goddamn fun. Roger Corman at his fucking best. I, I, I give this movie five fucking scaries. It's got slimy tits. It's got a slimy ass in it. It's got a big old grape worm. It has Captain Spaulding. It has Freddy Krueger. It has Tom Selleck. Uh, it has uh, Popeye's dad. You got a space captain with moss coming out of her pussy. Such a good fucking time. Five out of five. Easily. I have to say, I handily agree with you, my friend. Five out of five, for sure. I think you hit all the important points there. So, fuck yeah. The one thing I would mention is the frequent and constant incineration of bodies. Oh, God. Which is just fantastic and hilarious. But yeah, you got your Grape Worm, you got your Freddy, you got your Sid Hag, and Popeye's dead. You can't go wrong. And if you enjoyed anything in the Alien franchise, best of the aliens, worst of the aliens, this one might as well be, I don't know, what Alien 5, 
Alien yeah. 1.5. It, this 1. could easily 5. be, a, this could be a, like a low-budget iteration in the Alien franchise, and nobody would really even skip a beat. That's right, so, man. Hell yeah. Great pedigree of actors. Very good special effects for the budget. Great, great. And it's got that Roger Corman feel that if you've seen any of his other films, you know what we're talking about. You either love it or you hate it. We love it. Good love shit. It. So, yeah, I think we got a we got a straight five out of five across the board here today. Oh, straight across, man. That's the rare here we, on DTS. Very rare. The day we lose Roger Corman, I uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to need to take a fucking week, dude. Clearly a big I, fan. I, I absolutely love Roger Corman. I love Roger Corman so much. Greg, where would you say would be the best place to watch a Roger Corman movie? Well, there's only one place for me, my friend. What's and that? that's in the bathtub. Oh. Yeah. I take a little Corman tubey in the tubby. Yeah. You get a little bit of bubbles going. Get your laptop right on the right on the edge there. Turn the lights down. Maybe light a candle or two. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you got yourself a little little theater, a little tubby <sighs> theater. That is hot. And you could only watch Roger Corman movies from the bathtub. Yeah. Well, that's a rule. I'm thinking about actually doing a little bit of a web series there. I think. Wait, really? Uh, like yeah. an offshoot of the show? Yeah. Damn. Damn. That's tubby. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm extending the invitation. I don't have to do this alone, my friend. Can I come in the tub? I think we might be able to fit two dogs in that tub. Ooh, all right. <laughs> also, for those of you who have been with us for a long time, uh, might have been one of our best episodes. If you go back, you you can find that reference. Oh, uh, two dogs in the tub? What was that number, like 21, 20, some shit? 20, 22, 23. Two dogs in the tub. Classic. Best episode ever. Easily one of our best. That's going to be a great web series, dude. Yeah, yeah, I think we should do it. I think we should get all of our fans doing it, too. Anyone who actually wants to follow along with our reviews from here on out, 2022, Year of the Tubby. That's right, man. It's supposed yeah. to be Year of the Tiger or whatever the fuck they say it is. Nah, it's going to be Year of the Tubby. Year of the Tubby. If you want to watch these movies, if you want to if you want to live the dream with us, get in that tub, yeah. throw that heat on as high as it can go, and get some bubbles going. You know what? That sounds so therapeutic and relaxing right now. I think I'm going to take a tubby. Ah, good for the soul. And the bones. Can I be honest with you? What's that? I've been in a bathtub this entire time. I know. You me splishing and splashing around. Ooh, do I Maybe hear a little, it? A little playful splashy at you. Oh, uh, so fresh and so clean, clean. Forever, forever, ever, forever, ever, forever, never. <laughs> well, Greg, I am so happy that you and I finally made it to space to hang out with Jeff Bezos and Andrew Dice Clay. Space! Yeah, that's that's clever. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I don't want to chant anything. I just want to yell something. Right, exactly. I want to I want to hold a long A. Because in space, nobody can hear you. Space! All right, well, with that, you should probably just, uh, just go love each other. Yeah, you should probably care about each other. Mm. Most importantly, keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. What are you, my dad? Damn, that's scary. Whoop, whoop. What are you, my dad? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Good, good, good. Uh, yeah, yeah.